0: But one thing I do want to clarify is that I'm not anti-police, and I don't know what my message um, has been received by some people.
1: And now, coming to you from the K2 studios in San Diego, California, it's the world famous Chris and Christine Show. Hey, what's happening, everybody? How are you guys doing today out there? I am Chris. And I'm Christine. And welcome to the
2: 63rd episode of The Chris and Christine Show. Do 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 do. Do do
1: do do. Great old fan. Fantastic. How are you doing today, baby? I
2: am doing great today has been a monumental day in the United States of America, right, Chris?
1: Well, because it's Saturday, I know, and it's raining here, at least here it is.
2: No, but there is something much bigger that you know about that I've been very excited about all day long.
1: And what was that, baby?
2: That is that the Associated Press finally called the presidential election today. Even though the press can't really determine who is the president, they're saying that the votes are in far enough to be able to declare a winner. And it was?
1: Who? Tell me. I'm on my edge of my seat. Joe Biden. Joe? Cup of Joe got elected president. Does he know that? Is, is he, well, is he's he the where?
2: president-elect. And so that means that he, it's still waiting on the Electoral College to officially cast their votes votes on December 14th. But what it also means, and the reason I was so excited, is that for the first time ever in the history of the United States, there is a female vice president-elect.
1: Whoa. It's like that show Veep. You ever see that show? I think it was on HBO.
2: No. Or Showtime. I watched West Wing and I watched um, Scandal.
1: Yeah. Well, that- what was Scandal about?
2: It was about a president and his mistress.
1: Oh, that sounds hot. <laughs> that's hot. So, um, well, that's pretty cool then. It's pretty exciting, I guess, you know?
2: You guess. It is, it is groundbreaking. It is earth-shattering. It is... Smash the glass ceiling, smash the patriarchy. Here we go ladies, let's take it to the top.
1: Woohoo! Well, today happens to be Saturday and all the news broke this morning when I woke up on my phone. I didn't sleep very much, but I did look at my phone and I did see all the news coming through Twitter, Instagram, all the news sources were plugging away. But have they officially counted all the votes? Like are they all in right
2: now? No, they haven't and there's a rumor out there that there's a bunch of lawsuits that are going to start happening no. as of Monday. Um, because, of course, uh, President Trump has not conceded the election. So, this, As
1: do you think he will?
2: You know, I don't think so. And I think that there's going to be a rough patch up ahead for all of us. Um, and, you know, my celebrating this does not state my specific political pr- position. It's just it does saying, it? Are you sure? I'm, I am sure. I do not share my specific political position. What I am excited about is that we have a female in the White House not just as a first lady, but helping to lead the country for the first time ever. And it's just very, very exciting. And so, um, you know, it, it, it could be bundled up in lots of court battles for the next couple of months until the December 14th vote or until the inauguration.
1: Who knows? Well, we usually don't talk about politics too much on this show. Uh, that's kind of something you really kind of don't want to talk about too much because it really rubs people the wrong way. Every, right. Everybody's very opinionated. I mean, the, the vote came in to the wire. It was almost split 50-50 down the middle. If you look at all the, the numbers, you know, they're pretty close. So, Well,
2: yeah, and we're not going to get into all that because, again, this is not about Chris's and my political position. We were just mentioning that it was, that it is, a very monumental time for us in the United States for women's equality, which you all know from listening that I am a huge, huge advocate for. Right, Chris? Oh, I am
1: too. Go women. Women's rights. Amen, sister. You go! <laughs> I got to give a good, good old, you go, girl. Get them. <laughs>
2: All right, thank you for that, Chris. We appreciate that. But what's been going on with you this week?
1: Well, this week, back to work, the usual grind. You know, um, work's been kind of okay. They took my truck away. I drive at work. They. Uh,
2: what are you doing? Delivering they, gas on a bicycle now? I
1: I really am. It's weird. I, I put this backpack and I have a couple jugs I carry and deliver to each car one by one.
2: Oh my gosh! Did I get you know your what? car today? They should give you a jet pack. They should give you like <laughs> also it burns up. You know, you know, like the ones that you can like put on your back and it has the jets that make you like. Fly over the water. Have you seen those? Like the people that like shoots out water.
1: Yeah, but those are like they have this hose that goes into the water. So I know the water you could have one for gasoline. In. Sure. That sounds Shh. that sounds safe. It's all felt sounds wonderful. I'm sure it'll explode. <laughs> but uh but no, um the truck I normally drive at work, it uh re- they retired it. They like retired its number, you know. It's uh they had a, set, a farewell. Mm-hmm. I I wasn't there to say the farewell farewell for it went away. I just they took
2: the old horse to the glue factory.
1: They did, didn't <laughs> they? And now I'm driving whatever piece of let's say quality equipment, qu- quotation marks that they give me to use. So you're officially an orphan driver. <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. Oh, somebody
2: I'm, will adopt you.
1: I know my new truck. is uh, supposed to be coming in truck number seventy-seven. Lucky seventy-seven.
2: But it couldn't commit to you. It had commitment issues, well, like it, it
1: failed to continue driving. But yeah, well, it's on its way down from L.A. to San Diego sometime in the near couple weeks. Hopefully it'll be ready to go. And Wait, uh, a couple weeks to get a car from L.A. to San Diego? A, a truck from L.A.
2: Right, but a couple weeks? Like, Are they going an inch a day or something?
1: No, what they're doing is, I guess it's already there. They got to, um, what they say they were going to do? Oh, they were going to polish it make it nice and shiny oh. like basically detail because they know
2: how OCD you are about your car washes so they're like this one's going to Smith uh, we're going to um, get this one cleaned up and take off all of the old grit
1: and grime uh, so that it's ready for him pretty much it's gonna be like a big shiny mirror like so shiny that during the day it'll melt your face off. <laughs> it's, it's basically what it does, really. It's because
2: you're flashy.
1: I know, totally. So that's been my work week for the most part all week long. And now that it's we're here, it was so hot this week, but today the heavens opened up. Somebody was crying, and it's been raining All day on this weekend, you know?
2: Yeah, it has been, which makes me nervous because what I have coming up tomorrow is my bridal shower. Ooh, really? What's that like? Well, it's supposed to be out on the beach. And so I'm a little bit anxious about that happening tomorrow because the storm is supposed to still be here. But I'm very, very excited that for the first time ever... My parents have come down to stay with Chris and I here at the house for the weekend. They're
1: sleeping next door. I I know. Be quiet.
2: They're across the hallway while we're recording this because it is late at night. But I'm very excited that they are down here with us. And my mom and I took some time to run some errands this afternoon and get lots of wedding stuff organized. And I am in my last week of the semester at school. I have three pages left of one report, and then I am done for two months. I get a two-month break from school.
1: That is fantastic. Is it like your winter break? Winter, uh, Yeah, right?
2: Right. Yeah, it's the winter break, but most of the universities backed up their calendar before Thanksgiving to cut their semester because they were afraid of the second wave of COVID. And uh, that was before all of the universities decided to stay in a distance learning format. And so, we had a compacted semester, which means I've been working really hard and long hours to get the same amount of work done in a shorter time frame. And so, I think I've had like eight projects for this class, two big papers, and three smaller projects on an almost weekly basis and it's been intense wow
1: that sounds like amazing i mean you're running through it pretty quickly getting it all done so what are you gonna do on your big two-month vacation
2: well uh let's see a week after my vacation from school starts i'm gonna marry you this guy right here yeah oh thank you so much why don't you tell
1: me my guess i should get ready for it i guess well
2: yep we're on the 13 day countdown Almost 12 days, and it is getting real around here. Right, Chris?
1: Yes, it is. Every day, the Amazon delivery guy just drops <laughs> off like a ton of junk. I mean, I'm sorry, boxes of stuff. Well, today, we got a tower of wedding, like,
2: bridal shower gifts that were dropped on the doorstep. Right,
1: Chris? Right. The funny thing is, the guy didn't even ring the doorbell. <laughs> I didn't even know he was even here. I look outside the front door, and there's like a big pile of You didn't of even stuff. look
2: outside. My mom and I came home from uh, Michael's and from Tar- Target, and there were literally seven boxes piled up so that we couldn't get into the front door.
1: Oh, I know. And I was like, "Hey, we. I guess we had to go through the garage, open the garage up, and then go get the packages that way." Yeah, because so, you couldn't get out. The, the packages were blocking the door. But
2: yeah, definitely. But do you know what we would be doing like a week from today, Chris? Going to Hawaii? We would have been packing and the next morning leaving for Hawaii to get married had COVID not happened.
1: I know. It's horrible. This whole COVID has really put a big damper on the entire year. And people are kind of looking forward to a 2021. But there's no promises that 2021 is going to be any different.
2: Exactly. But, you know, instead of going to the islands... Like we were planning, what did we decide to do this week?
1: Well, this week we have a very special VIP guest, like always, Yep. who happens to be living in Hawaii right now.
2: Yep, and she's on the island of Oahu and she's going to be right back with us right after this.
1: Hey there, K2 crew. We love having you as our loyal listeners. To keep up to date with what's happening behind the
2: scenes, check us out on social media.
1: Yeah, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter.
2: And don't forget to follow our Facebook page.
1: Yeah, tag us in your favorite fun stories. And guess what? You might just end up on the show. Ooh-ooh.
2: The Breed Network is strictly for the small podcasts that are up and coming
0: in the vast world of podcasting. Podbreed is made up of many diverse podcasts coming together to achieve the same goal of being the best damn
2: podcast network on the planet. Find out more at podbreed.com.
1: And today on the show, our very special VIP guest happens to be a teacher, a military wife, and another fellow podcaster. Please welcome to the show, Catherine Sheffield. Hey, guys. Thank
0: you for having me on. Hey. Oh, we're well, so
1: excited to have you. Yes, we are. Thank you so much for joining us today. So, Catherine, you prefer to be called Catherine or Kathy? or Cat? uh, Catherine, please. Does anybody ever call you Cat? Is that your thing?
0: Yes. Yes. Actually, my mom does.
1: Oh. <laughs> Well, okay. So, so Kat or Catherine or Catherine. Catherine, Chris. Yes. Okay. I'm sorry. Okay. So, Catherine, where in the world are you joining us today?
0: I am actually in Hawaii.
1: Aloha, (gasps) Hawaii. What's the weather like over there? If I should know, I should probably know this, but
0: it's really hot and muggy today, actually. And it has been for the last few days.
2: Oh, wow. That sounds intense. Now, what island are you living on? I live on Oahu and I've been living (gasps) here for about
0: three
1: years. What What part of the island are you actually living on?
0: Um, I am on the leeward side. So that would be, let's see, are, are you, are you <laughs> like not on the west, side. the west side. Okay.
1: <laughs> the West side. Now that's over by the turtle. Was it turtle beach? Uh, was it turtle? Oh was no. It?
0: Turtle beach is up North on the North shore. Um, I'm more towards like the resort town, little Koalina, you know, where the golf courses and stuff like that.
2: Okay. So, um, uh, Chris and I, I don't know if you, you know this, but we were supposed to get married uh, this coming November 20th at the huh? Hilton Hawaiian Village there oh. on Oahu, and we couldn't make it. So like in proximity to that location, is it the other side of the island? Yeah, that's more
0: toward Waikiki. Well, that's actually in Waikiki. So that'll be about right. like a 30, 20, 30 minute drive, depending on traffic.
1: Oh okay, yeah, traffic was crazy over there. I, it was so busy oh. when we went over there, and, and the roads were like, like I I don't think the top speed was faster than like fifty miles an hour at some yeah. pla- places on the freeway. I mean, I don't know if you have a if you have a sports car, what are you supposed to do?
0: You know? <laughs> oh yeah, and we're also <laughs> dodging like potholes all the time. There's so many potholes.
1: Is construction like road construction something they don't really take take seriously over there?
0: Um I think they do but I think that with the weather and it's like rainy sometimes and I I don't know but it's just like wild cuz it'll do a number on your car. Oh uh.
2: well yes we experienced that. We rented a Jeep when we were there. We were actually in Hawaii a year ago this week and fell in love with it, especially Oahu. It is such a beautiful area and we Chris surprised me and took me to Manoa Falls and we <sighs> hiked that trail.
1: Yeah, it's a pretty yeah. easy trail to hike. I think it's the most most pretty popular trail to hike is that Manoa Falls. And it was like raining when we were there. It was great. We're in yeah. the rainforest. It was so jungle and lush. So different than San Diego. Oh uh, yeah.
0: No, and that one's a good one. That was one of the first hikes we did when we got here.
1: So you said when you we got there, so tell us a little about your story. How did you get to Hawaii? <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, my husband's in the army, and so we've been to, we've been married for thirteen years, and we have moved around. And before coming to Hawaii, we were actually in Germany for
1: three years. What? Good and tog. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh my gosh, we've traveled so much, but um, and it was such a hard adjustment coming from Europe and then moving to Hawaii because you're kind of like stuck on the island. There's nowhere you could really go except to another island, you know?
2: Right. Now i've I've heard that sometimes it's challenging for military spouses when they're moving around so much to find like a regular career, not just a. a kind of transitional job. Is that something that has been a challenge for you as you've moved around so much? Oh
0: yes, it definitely was. I actually had the hardest time in Europe, like trying to find a full time teaching position, and I ended up working at one of the American schools there as a substitute and as a like instructional aide. But it hurt me so bad because I was doing my doctoral degree at that time, and I was like, all I want to do is teach right now, and I can't. And so it's very frustrating. But um, but coming to Hawaii actually was. Is quite easy. I, I got picked up within a few weeks of living here. So I was very happy about that.
2: Oh, wow. That's amazing. And Hawaii has a unique system of education, right? Like one school district basically? Yeah,
0: they do. It's um, like spread across the state. And because it's, you know, we're isolated by the islands, um, we're still all falling under the Department
2: of Ed.
1: Well, that's great. You know, Christine is herself works in education.
2: Oh, wow. Right. And so I heard you mentioned that you were working on your doctorate in education. Uh, When did you finish that? I finished it in 2017. Oh, that's awesome. What was the focus of your dissertation? Oh, my focus was on
0: military students. Um, I was looking into the DoDIA system, which is the military schooling system, and um, I just wanted to know about the factors that affect students um, and their test scores, and you know, for them moving around. And so, I kind of looked into the social factor of that.
2: That's so interesting. Um, I work here in San Diego for the County Office of Education, and. We are the grant evaluator for one of the DODIA grants off of Coronado Island, and it's exploring some of those same factors like transitions and mm-hmm. um, con- the m- military deployment impact on student math development. But a lot of it is that social-emotional factor for children that are consistently moving. Um, just like you were mentioning, you had been moving mm-hmm. quite a bit, and so that's That's super interesting. Did you enjoy your doctoral experience? It was rough, but I was
0: thankful that it was an online program and it still gave me a lot of flexibility to travel. Um, But I will say that it was probably the biggest challenge of my life. And there were times where I had to like, start from scratch. And I would get, you know, think I would be so far ahead. And then one of the, um, you know, advisors would say, Oh, this is wrong. And then you have to go back and scrap your idea and then like rebirth it over
2: and over. And it was just so frustrating.
1: Oh, man, that's gonna be rough.
2: Yeah, Chris has been standing by me on that journey. I just defended my proposal. um, Like, Four weeks ago. And so I'm always looking for advice from people that have gone before me on what do I do in the home stretch? How do I keep sane? <laughs> oh my gosh. Congrats, by the way,
0: because that's a big accomplishment to take that.
1: Yes, step. it is. I, always, I would say I always just congratulations. Um, Sorry. Oh yeah.
0: No, congratulations. Seriously. No, I was just gonna say just be, you know, <laughs> prepared for anything. Like <laughs> don't get too stuck in one idea because it might drift after the proposal phase, but I'm sure you're gonna do fine.
1: So are you using using your doctorate like right now for your career?
0: No, I'm actually not because um, mine is more geared to, you know, administration. But right now I'm just, I'm a high, I shouldn't say I'm just a teacher. (laughs) Um, I just teach high school English right now, but, but honestly, it's one of my passions. So I'm not too upset about it.
2: Well, yeah, there is no just in teaching, especially in the time of COVID and distance learning. How has that impacted you as a teacher uh, and working with your students?
0: It has been so taxing, um, you know, working from home and then having two kids of my own who are school age. Um, it's been such a challenge, like juggling doing my instruction all day with my high school students and then make like in between breaks, checking on my own two daughters and seeing what they're up to. It's been so challenging.
1: I bet it has been. My goodness. So, so your your day to day is is everything you do school wise all remote Zoom type stuff. Are you guys mm-hmm. are you guys doing anything in the classroom at all? Because here they got it like half and half. Half the school district is home. Half the school district like our kids can go in, but they got to be like screened every single day. You know, with a thermometer mm-hmm. and wear masks and all that. How are you guys doing that?
0: They're depending it on school to school, and so right now my my school district um is not or not school district, but my school zone is actually keeping it distance learning until after Christmas break, and then they're gonna re- reevaluate and kind of do a gradual return to school. So I'm looking forward to that because I actually miss the face to face interaction with my students.
1: Uh, yeah, it is kind of something. And I think that some kids, I think they pick up things differently. Some, I mean, Christine, didn't you say that your son was doing much better on the Zoom rather than being in class?
2: Right. You know, my son is a sophomore in high school, and he actually has much better grades, and he's learning a lot, and he likes the little bit of flexibility. And he, mm-hmm. I heard him. He was FaceTiming a friend this morning who has gone back to in-person schooling, and he said, oh— well, that must be rough for you to have to actually go in person and see people.
0: <laughs> yeah, my daughter feels the same way. My middle schooler, she's, I was thinking she was going to be like shell-shocked and like totally upset. And she's like, oh, I love this. I'm like, you do?
1: <laughs> well, yeah, you know, definitely. Well, speaking of, speaking of everything being shut down, speaking of quarantine, how, I mean, I want to know is, is Hawaii did this really big lockdown on anybody coming to the islands? Uh, Was it two-week quarantine mandatory? Nobody could, Mm -hmm. uh, everybody, five people could not be gathered in the same spots. You couldn't go family to family. It's all got to be in-house. Has the tourism really just been like nobody there, like totally quiet now?
0: Yeah. You know, Waikiki was a ghost town. It was a little jarring to go down there and just like have no traffic. You're just going through. I mean, some shops were open, but a lot of them, you see them closed and it was just like oh this is so weird but um actually tourism kicked back up t- uh i want to say yesterday and the flights have been pouring in i mean just like because i live in the traffic pattern of the plane so yeah, I, I know hear exactly
1: them. where you are i know i, I we saw <laughs> we saw your house and we flew over the way in.
0: <laughs> i waved to you. Yes. you guys did you see me i, I got, <laughs> yes, a, I got yes. a video i guess But (laughs) But yeah, no, it's starting to pick up again. And we just went, we actually had two separate lockdowns. So we just got off of the second one. uh, I want to say last week. It was rough. It was rough.
2: Yeah. You know, it was a really difficult decision for us to step away from having that Hawaiian wedding. And especially when Mm -hmm. we planned for it for a year. And paid for everything, too. Right. But Chris kind of saw the writing on the wall when the second lockdown happened. He's like, honey, I think we've got to we've got to go with the plan B. Like we if we want to keep the same date, we've got to make a change right now. And so... I can only imagine what it even felt like on the islands having such restrictions. And so, kudos to you all for being able to weather that storm.
0: Oh, thank you. Yeah. It was even, I think the hardest part for me was just not even being able to go to the beach. Like, why, why you know, not? Why could
1: they close them off?
0: Yeah. They closed all the beaches. They just opened up last week, which we were so thankful because it was. Um, It was fall break for my kids. I'm like, what are we going to do if there's no beach? But uh, yeah, they closed them off because what was happening were – big huge parties and you would pass by and you'd see like 40 people in a tent and you're just like okay this is not a six foot distance
1: happening there oh gotcha i heard about that so that's the thing too is like we're if we we're gonna go to hawaii to get married we say we say we get there and say we even can get out and then the beaches are closed like everything <laughs> goes closed it's like what's the point because going to Hawaii mm-hmm. from here you know it's not that it's not cheap it's not like a <laughs> It's not like driving down down the street, you know, it's kind of a big thing. So if I'm going to Hawaii, I'm going to do Hawaii. I'm not going to just go sit in my room and hang out there, Yeah, you know.
2: Yeah, definitely. Well, Catherine, what is your favorite part of living in Hawaii now? Um, I love just
0: interacting with um, like the locals and just, you know, just having the aloha experience. People are welcoming and um, i And just finding new places to eat, and just, you know, I don't know, just every day trying to find something new, I guess, because living here for three years, you kind of say, oh, I've done it all. But I think if you look close enough, there's a lot more to do.
1: Right. And and even though you're on Oahu, which is, I guess, uh, comparable in size, it's probably the size of what, maybe San Diego County, LA County, maybe? Uh, You know, is it about the size of LA, the whole island?
0: Uh, I don't know. But the population, I mean, it's kind of large. It's like in the – like three, four million. So, I mean, it's a lot living here.
1: Yeah, I know. But I'm saying like geography, you know, you know, like actual physical size. Oh, of the yeah, planet. yeah.
0: I don't know about the size.
1: But, yeah, I know that. Like, So, so you're in Hawaii. You know, I remember uh, somebody told me uh, years ago when I was over there how um, they got a package delivered. They were on uh, Maui, and they got a package delivered. I think they sent it to, you know, um, Honolulu. And they said, said, can't you just drive over there and get it? Like the person on the FedEx, the, like shipping department, okay, like, no, I can't. You have to physically ship it to, <laughs> so you have to get it to me. Oh my I'm, I'm, goodness. I'm on this other island. Well, it's the same state. Can't you just drive there? Like, you, <laughs> no. That's so funny, Chris. Oh my goodness. Well, That's I know.
2: so it's like, silly. You guys,
1: you guys actually, how do you guys get island to island? Do you guys take boats or do you guys fly?
0: oh um, I think the ferry service that they used to offer here years ago stopped so yeah you do you just jump on a quick flight and it usually takes like it could take 30 minutes if you're going to Maui 30 45 minutes and you're there
1: is it that's amazing is it, is it internet is it like big planes or small planes
0: and they're smaller but it's like Hawaiian Airlines or I, I oh and Southwest now flies here too so
2: yeah it's pretty cool. That's amazing. Well, it sounds like you've had an adventure filled life by being a military spouse and uh, been to places that many people probably dream about. And, you know, one of the other things we wanted to chat with you about today is a newer project that you have launched into. And that is your podcast that you started just this summer. Is that correct?
0: Yeah, I started it in June.
1: So what is your podcast called and what was the inspiration for it?
0: It is called A Few Bad Apples And the inspiration about it was really just to get people thinking about the social problems that we're seeing on the news all the time about the police and the, um, you know, the brutality cases. Um, But one thing I do want to clarify is that I'm not anti-police and I don't know what my message um, has been received by some people, but but that's not the premise to be anti-police. The premise is to provoke some change and internal reform.
2: Oh, that's super interesting. Yeah, I I saw the title of your podcast and um, having a number of um, armed services, not armed services, but Mm -hmm. um, police officers, corrections officers in my family. And then Mm -hmm. also knowing that you were a military wife, I was just really wondering about like, what was the root of this epiphany that you needed to do something? I was just hearing all the talk online about people who
0: are so upset about the police and about the things that are happening, and people who are getting, you know, killed. And I thought about it, and I was thinking this is almost a daily occurrence, or as or the media is making it seem like that. And I wanted to dive into cases, and when what what actually just started as going case by case, actually I started to see a theme that a lot of times the police officers who are involved with these high profile cases, they have a history that probably if someone would have caught it on, early on would not have escalated to what it was. So I did see that a lot of people have bad track ra- track records and it gets overlooked and then, and then we end up where we are today. So I, that was the goal after I was like, wow, I wanna find these cases where this could have been prevented many times, but then it just kept snowballing.
1: Where do you find your research for this type of stuff? Do you call police departments, or what do you do?
0: <laughs> no, I actually just kind of uh, do. A, first, I'll start off with like a general search, um, and then once I find a search, I try to I try to find as many relevant articles. Like I use a lot of the New York Times. Um, I use just a lot of available small local newspapers to see what I can find. And then I sometimes am lucky and find some really good audio clips that I like to embed into the episode so that um, you can get more of a feel for
2: it. That's so fascinating. And now I wonder if, um, are you just looking at current cases or have you done any like historical analysis? I know that the Central Park Five case has been something really prominent with the new Netflix docuseries Mm -hmm. around it. Do you Look current or do you look historical? I look actually, that's a great question. I'm actually trying
0: to do, I'm doing one right now. I'm working on one from the 1980s yeah it happened in 1980s with the New York police department it was a big um corruption um scandal with police officers engaging in so much criminal activity um it was just so wild um, but I really tried to have more of a open view it can be about any race I'm not focusing on one race and I think a lot of people are surprised about that as well because you know we only hear or people might think oh this only happens to a certain race but that that's not necessarily true,
1: right? Right. You know, I mean, I think there's uh, like a podcast. States there's bad apples. There's probably bad bad, bad apples in all departments mm-hmm. and all walks of life. You know, um, mm-hmm. what well, that's just crazy. I remember there was one, a couple in San Diego. When every time there's a big, it's always like a crazy like. Um, and, and by the way, it's uh, Domestic Violence Month this month. And the, the, the cases mm-hmm. I remember are the ones that were women were abused by officers, particularly here in town. Mm-hmm. And, and when they become news and they become news stories, have you, I don't know, have you d- dove into any of the uh, San Diego stories you've had in recent years?
0: No, I haven't, but I will look into it. Um, I, I did do a, I did a little mini series on um, Vallejo, California, and uh, I, I was like blown away. It started off with going to do one episode, and then it like snowballed into another and then another. I was like, oh my goodness! But there's just so yeah, much. Yeah, huh? I, do, I try to, yeah. There's so much. Unfortunately, I mean, I hate to say like, wow, there's a lot of material on this because it's this not like the most happy, you know, of sub- subjects, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, I will look into San Diego, though. Thank you for that.
1: Yeah, it was and I am doing like- one
0: for domestic violence. Um, I will be releasing one at the end of the month um, pertaining to that. That's great.
2: Well, I mean, it's not great that there's oh, a lot okay, of cases okay. <laughs> about domestic violence, but bringing awareness of like what the root of it is definitely right, Chris. Mm-hmm.
1: Absolutely, and and back to saying about the San Diego ones, there was there was probably like I remember there was. I think something happened around 2005 I think it was and then there was one that happened I think somewhere the big one that happened right around 2012 2013 somewhere around there the guy was taking women uh, the officer was resting pulling women over I guess that had like either expired license or a warrant or something like that and he would say come with me into the bathroom and we will we'll, uh make you know you know make this what, go
2: away basically
1: yeah or something like that and 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 that's what happened there was oh, my there, gosh. there was video footage of him taking like women into like the liquor store bathroom of like downtown and oh, you could see gosh. him take it yeah so um yeah he got uh, obviously charged and 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 uh, went to prison or something but but it's just crazy stories like that really kind of affect me when i hear and see things like that
0: that sounds exactly like the last episode that I just released this past Tuesday. Wow! <laughs> I mean, not, not, not the same exact like nature, but this. Uh, but the officer was doing um, crimes like this. I mean, at one point, he even convinced a woman to baptize her and make the violation go away, and just so bizarre and so unnerving to the, like, okay, who do you trust if you know? <laughs> if this is happening to just a regular person?
2: Yeah, and I think that. What you were saying at the very beginning is like you're not anti-police. You're just trying to bring awareness to these incidents to figure out like what the root of it is. And Mm -hmm. one of the things that Chris and I have talked about is how when we see um, stories of excessive force on the news, how it immediately casts a light on all individuals that are wearing the uniform um, to make them kind of the enemy. And that's not... The goal, and a perfect example of that is when you see, I mean, you're in education like I am, when there's a case of teacher misconduct, you don't see the entire world turn on the entire teaching profession um, because one teacher um, mistreated or um, violated an individual, but you do see that happen when it comes to individuals wearing the uniform. What do you think is behind that? That's a really
0: great point. And I think, I mean, just from my own, you know, research, I just think that it's hard because the community sometimes loses their trust. And so when when you hear of one officer in your community that's guilty of doing something, they you know, they cast the bad light on all of them because they think, well, you know, who do we trust now? You're supposed to be the ones right. that we're calling. <laughs> and and that's the sad part about it because, I mean, I do a good story at the end of every episode to try to show, hey, there are really good devoted officers out there who are making a difference. So I try to balance it because it's so negative.
1: Right, it's almost like your Jerry Springer moment at the very end of the. Uh, you ever watch Jerry Springer? How he had like that <laughs> that moment at the very end where he would like sit down and tell you his his peaceful thoughts, like his thought of the day. You got, you not do even, we're like not that. calling you Jerry Springer. Sorry, no, not at all. i just I'm just I'm <laughs> I was wondering if you have that whole like speech he does at the very end of your podcast, like a, a break it together, close kind of thing.
0: Oh, I'm going to have to implement one of those. That sounds pretty interesting. <laughs> well,
1: you, you ever seen the show you don't know talk about?
2: Yeah, no, I know what you're saying. Like a food for thought moment.
1: Right, right.
2: So I do have a question. It might be a little bit deeper for you, Catherine, but is your you mentioned that your spouse is currently still in the army? Correct. Yes. So um, I know that one of the things I'm going to kind of birdwalk for a second and I'll be right back. But um, one of the things that I've noticed is when I speak out about instances of police excessive force or police misconduct, that I can get some um, negative feedback from those in my immediate circle about that. So knowing that your husband wears a uniform, even though it's different with police, like, Mm -hmm. um, do you get any negative feedback from the military community about your podcast?
0: Well, not really. Um, I, So far, no one has told me anything, but I will tell you that I do sometimes feel like I need to tuck my tail a little bit Um, in, in the sense that I know that it's a very touchy subject. But I think that if someone really takes the time to hear what I'm saying, that they will know, oh, okay, I see exactly what you're doing. You're only talking about the bad officers, you know? Um, so, I mean, and I would love to explain to anybody that, that really has any questions about it, but no, so far nobody has said anything. And, and honestly, I am very cognizant. Like he is in the military, but he, I asked him what he thinks and he was like, you know what? I don't think you're doing anything wrong.
1: Well, that's great. I mean, it's good to have his support of what you're doing. Because if he if he was like, oh, he shouldn't be doing that. What are you doing?" You know, how uh, that'd be a little uh, little, t- little tension you guys would have. You know, in the in the family, that wouldn't be good.
0: Yeah, no, I probably wouldn't pursue it if if he was really like opposed to it. But he's actually blown away with how much support I've received, and I, honestly, I am too. <laughs>
2: Well, it's a really courageous move to be able to bring light to a subject and have a conversation and dig deep into the facts surrounding. Because what we tend to find on the newsfeed are soundbite clips of incidences, and they're they're normally the most egregious pieces of it. Um, but delving mm-hmm. deeper into like what are the warning signs and bringing awareness to that seems like it could actually be re- really beneficial to long-term police reform.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, like I said, there's a little, usually in probably most of the cases, I should say, are like this little nugget that got overlooked of information like, hey, this person failed their um, you know polygraph test or something in the beginning that someone just totally you know, allowed them to continue forward. And you look back and you're like, okay, but then look at what they did now, Were they even fit in the first place. And that's all it is, is really just to say, uh, are you looking for new ways to reform? Well, maybe look at people's past history or, um, my newest idea for reform is: Why don't you check in with these officers? Um, I found out that they don't really do any extra mental health checks with them. Once they pass, that's it. No one ever, you know, says, "Hey, how you doing? Let's have a like a mini evaluation or something, just really? to see how they're mentally doing." I found that out, and I was like blown away.
1: I was like, "Wait, what? Do they do? They, I don't know this, but do they do anything like that in the military?"
0: Well, I think that with the military, there's a lot more like people are are looking at you a lot and kind of keeping in touch with you. And now with a lot of suicides occurring within members of the military, um, I do think that people are a little bit more alert and, you know, trying to check in with you and will keep a little bit more tabs on you. But for some reason with the police department, from what I've gathered, it doesn't seem like they're doing that.
2: Yeah, from what I've noticed um, from individuals that I know that are serving um, behind the badge, that those types of mental health supports are typically reserved for after some type of um, a situation, and it's Mm -hmm. kind of part of a clearing process. Like if there's been um, an officer-involved shooting or a discharge of a weapon or some type of um, really traumatic event, that that comes into play, but it, it is... I I don't want to minimize it and call it just for compliance, but it is partly for a a box checking. And, and, you know, that does seem like mental health support might be good considering all that our officers go through.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And their job is so, um, intense and especially like you, you get a mixed vibe from the community. You don't, some are for you, some are against you. And I think mental health screenings definitely would just, you know, check in, see if they're okay. I mean, they, they, um, do everything from like, even just basic welfare checks to, you know, being there at a crime scene and it's, it's intense and it takes a lot on them. And, and, um, sometimes I think that those situations can cause them to snap. So if we can, you know, catch that before it gets to that point. That would be my biggest thing that I would be advocating for right now. Just like, if you're gonna do any type of reform, let's try to see how can we implement mental health and checking in with them and, you know, asking them, are you all right? You know, how are you doing?
2: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, one of the things that I learned when uh, one of my closest friends was in the military, not in the police force, but he took me on base with him, And was showing me that there was like a family services center even on Mm -hmm. base to like help out with families and to check in with them. Is there anything like that to support the families of officers? Because I've heard that there's a lot of high stats around domestic violence in police households.
0: Yeah, there is. And I just uh, actually found that out for this episode coming out, uh, not this week, but next. Yeah, I was surprised to know that there is a very, very astounding number of uh, domestic violence cases within the police. And um, I don't – I. So far I don't do not know and I'll be honest with you um I do have family members who are in the police and I don't think there's any other resources it sounds like they come in and they do their shifts and they go home it doesn't sound like there's any um type of extra you know support systems or or resources available from what I've heard I've never heard anyone mention any
2: that seems so crazy to me because I feel like and I'm an outsider, so maybe you can kind of push back on this. But I feel that being a police officer or a corrections officer is the closest thing to being a military family in terms of the like the call to respond around the clock and the stresses and the pressures that go along with that. Mm-hmm. Um, what kind of structures do you have as a military family? that you think might be beneficial for the police force?
0: We have um, a family readiness group, FRG, also known as, um, that they try to get families together like once or twice a month. Um, They do activities. They just, you know, want to get to know you because maybe, you know, the officers know, you know, they know each other, but what about the family? You know, do, do you know who the family is? Um, so in the military, there's a, they do try to get the family involved a lot. And I mean, some people choose not to go, but, but the option's always there and people are all always invited. Their kids are always invited. And so I feel like with the military, they do a really active effort to get everyone involved or at least feel like they're invited and able to participate.
1: That is great. That is fantastic. Now, are you talking more along the lines of the military um where the houses are all like everybody lives on base kind of thing? Like like military housing?
0: Um, I mean, well, you if you live off if you live off the base, you you can still be connected in that group because um, the the commander's I believe it's the commander's wife is in charge of the FRG, and so they have a list of everyone in the unit and they have their you know information, and so they'll reach out via email or phone call or social media, and they'll set up these events to get people together. But now with COVID, obviously, that's not happening that frequently. But oh, yeah. uh, but they still do try to check in with you or just say, hey, do you need anything? If there's, you know, if there was a problem, they would know about it and they would bring food or they would gather people together. And so there's like a mini community within the army, you know, like little mini communities all without every unit.
2: And do you find that, I know you mentioned that you don't see a support structure, like a physical support structure in the police realm. I know there's a lot of loyalty between officers, but, Mm -hmm. um, and uh, you know, you hear of like, um, wearing blue, like back the badge and, and movements like that. But is there anything to support officers other, like not the social emotional stuff, but anything out there? Not that I've seen. I mean, I know that people, there's big
0: advocates for the police in general, like you said, the back of the blue type of thing. But um, but I don't know, like, how local is it, you know, for every department? Is there something like that? I mean, that would not be a bad community initiative around the globe, you know, or around the country to say, hey, let's form little groups to help out or just to check in, you know. But as far as I know, I would say no.
2: And I just can only imagine the a tremendous amount of stress. This isn't to minimize anything that has happened in a negative way. I'm talking about the not few bad apples, the rest Mm -hmm. that, you know, how can we also safeguard our officers that are um, abiding by the law and doing their best to protect and um, care for the community, um, which might help to weed out those that are in it for the wrong reason. (laughs)
1: Yeah, would you find a lot? Is there some of these bad apples that join in with the sole purpose that they are going to toss some stuff over and they're really going to really make some waves when they get in there?
0: I found that a lot of times it happens by accident, or they they kind of uh, you know they don't really plan to be bad, but then something happens that they slowly you know, try something and then they get away with it. And then it's just kind of continues. So I think that it's unfortunate for the good Apple police officers that they would have to work extra hard to prove, you know, Hey, we're, we're on the good side. It's, it's kind of, it's kind of sad. It's a catch 22 because they're stuck in the middle of that. They're being grouped in with the bad ones.
1: Yeah, they they all are I mean that's that's a problem with that. you got one it, it can go for any kind of job really I mean, any kind of thing you' you've had you have a, mm-hmm. ba- a bad experience say with a teacher like you did horrible at school and you hated school as a kid and then every every classroom after that you just dread going and you just can't stand the teacher even if it may be a good teacher you just you just dread it because of your yeah. ba- past experience.
0: Yeah, that's true. And like, um, and this story that I was looking in, it's called The Buddy Boys. Um, I had never heard of it. It was just like 13 officers in. Uh, NYPD back in the eighties. That one of them, he said, I just it started off with me stealing um, some batteries off the shelf of a store, and then gradually it progressed to him actually extorting um, money from drug dealers, and Whoa. it was, and then selling crack cocaine, and well, that escalated uh, yeah, quickly. I mean, Oh, yeah. No, this is a wild story. It's just chrono- chronologically, it's a mess trying to put together. But I was just like, whoa. And then you hear another officer, he's like, I kind of, I it wasn't even about the money. It was about the brotherhood mentality about it. He felt like he was a part of something. So it's really the motive behind them doing something wrong could really be different for every person.
2: That's really interesting because, you know, from the outside, um, you know, there's perceptions that Uh, Like for excessive force that an officer um, was just doing it because they're a violent individual or, you know, for the ones that get caught with corruption, that they were Mm -hmm. just greedy and money hungry. Um, But really looking at what the root cause of it is um, and then figuring out maybe how to assess for those types of things on the front end before someone enters the force. Like, does this person have attachment issues? Are they – financially stable and like, um, aware of, you know, money management and, you know, those types of skills. And I know that seems like a lot to put on our officers, but they have a lot of power. Uh, mm-hmm. and it seems like something like that, not necessarily an assessment, but something like that might, might help on the front end to be a little bit of a gatekeeper. What do you think?
0: Yeah. No, that's exactly what I was thinking. Like, um, yeah, be a little more thorough maybe with the screening process. I mean, um, even if one thing seems odd, you know, maybe put that like red flag them and then revisit that. Because um, uh, the last case I did, or two cases ago, Justine Damon from Minneapolis, she was just shot by walking outside her door to go. She was just going to talk with the officer and the officer turns out after doing a little research on him, when he was being screened, they realized he wasn't, he really has issues where he tries to avoid people Um, and that he would get calls and ignore them. Like, could you not have maybe, maybe he wasn't fit for this job. This is a people community serving job.
2: Right. Definitely. And you know, it just sounds like what you're doing, like like I mentioned, is very brave and very courageous. And I know that it can come with some worries about if people think, like you mentioned, that you don't care for the police. But it sounds like you're really trying to think about a way to bring substantive change to um, the police departments around our country.
0: Yes, yes, and I, I'm gonna find a better way to possibly like suggest these ideas and maybe publicize them a little more on my on my website. So I do think that's the work that I still have to do.
2: Well, you know, you just got started with podcasting a few months ago and it sounds like you are already off to a really great start and I know that those that are listening are probably intrigued to hear about what it is that you've been finding. So where can our listeners find you? On the internet, oh, you can find me on Apple Podcasts,
0: Spotify, uh, anywhere actually. Google, um, yes. And I hope if you do listen, um, that you you enjoy. And if you have questions, please email me at badapplespodcast at yahoo
1: What What is awesome. the uh, name of your website, Kathy?
0: Oh, it is um, a Wix site. It's kind of long,
2: but I can send it to you if you want to link it.
1: Okay, I gotcha. I didn't know if you had a domain, if it was uh, badapples.com or something like that. (laughs) We'll
2: we'll definitely leave the website in our show notes. And so you can find Catherine's podcast, A Few Bad Apples, on the areas that she mentioned, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Um, You can link to her website through the show notes in this episode. And on Instagram and Facebook, where can our listeners find you? Oh, at Facebook, it's facebook.com slash
0: a few bad apples pod. And on Twitter, it's at few apples.
2: Awesome. So listeners, I hope that this has piqued your curiosity that you've learned a little bit about Catherine and her background and this passion to support police reform in our country. Thank you so much for being on our show this week.
0: Oh my gosh. Thank you guys so much. I really appreciate it.
1: Thanks, Catherine. Once every harvest moon, a talk show comes along that is so groundbreaking, raising the bar to such heights that other podcasts step back and say, wow, that show's got it figured out. With a host tempered in focus, commitment, and sheer will, this is
2: The Derek Duval Show. Pop culture, news, and interviews with fascinating people that channel the great Edward R. Murrow and Walter Cronkite. The Derek Duvall Show. Find him on Twitter and Instagram at Derek Duvall Show. And find his new episodes every Wednesday on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Podchaser. The Derek Duvall Show. The best thing to happen to hump Day since the Geico camel.
1: What, what? Well, that was fantastic to have Catherine on the show today. That was amazing.
2: Yeah, it was so interesting listening to her take on her podcast with these investigations into a few bad apples.
1: <laughs> right. You know, it's funny to think, you think the police officers are there to help you out, but uh, there are a few bad al- apples out there, and they just like in any industry, really. You know, there are people that are shady, McShadersons, and right. they like to do bad things. You know, you got to watch out for those.
2: Right. But it's not widespread. And like she was saying, I'm, I'm sure that she can get some flack from people thinking that she's casting this negative light on law enforcement. And that's definitely not what she's doing. And it's the same way I think about In education, when you hear bad stories about a teacher or a coach doing something bad or engaging in inappropriate activities with a student, you don't go and then hate all teachers. It's the same type of thing. There's a few bad apples. But
1: there are people that do, though. They they will kind of group everybody. It's it's the same thing happened with the Catholic Church many years ago and and that stuff. And then also, I mean, you work in education, so you probably right. see kids and you probably see like um, you've probably seen horror stories, you know, that you hear by the news. You know, of all the horror stories, you hear in the news about people like teachers doing bad things with kids. Uh, I mean, does that always get reported?
2: Um, I don't know. I mean, as. As an educator, I'm required to report if anything was brought to my attention, whether or not it had been reported before, I would have to report it or I could lose my job. And I know that's the case with all others in education. But why
1: law enforcement? Why is there... Is there- I think
2: law enforcement are mandated reporters also when things happen to children. But, you know, I think that... And, and this is not just to lump into law enforcement in general, but I think this has to do with power. And when people get positions of power... They it can go to their head, right, Chris?
1: 100 percent. I, I mean, even slight, just a little bit. I mean, you're the boss uh, for a day. I mean, look at the assistant manager when he gets a hold of a, of a position that the boss is gone and he's in charge. He probably goes straight to his head, yeah, and and uh, and all that. But uh, but yeah, you know, I mean, I can only imagine what it'd be like for 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 a person that that if you got pulled over by a cop and and something bad happened to you and. and You know, you try to say stuff, speak up about it. And and who do you really code to? You can't trust anybody.
2: Right. You know what it makes me think about? And it's not about external to the police department, but it's internal. And It's been years and years and years since I've seen this movie. But the movie Training Day.
1: Oh, I have it on DVD. Yeah.
2: Yeah. About like corruption inside of the police department, even with a trainee. And again, this is not to speak negatively of law enforcement, because I am so grateful for their protection. But there are instances, like we said, in every field where a few bad apples kind of ruin it for everybody, right?
1: Oh, yeah. And like uh, like she was saying, you know, that's what the, the heart of her podcast, which is so fantastic, by the way. So you guys got to give it a listen.
2: Yeah, definitely. And I just think it's so interesting that an educator would find this to be her hobby and like what she's most interested in researching and I could see how I could nerd out on something like that. Maybe I'll do a podcast like that. Maybe not about law enforcement, but some random podcast after I finish school. What do you think, Chris?
1: Yeah, maybe you could do your uh, same kind of spin-off but with, with uh, the school district maybe or something. Or maybe Ooh. maybe even politics, local city politics maybe. Ooh. You know? Yeah, instead of the West Wing, it'll be
2: like the East County Wing.
1: Oh, or whatever, <laughs> San Diego City. Yeah, um, You know, speaking of the city council, I remember years and years ago, I think before you, moved, before you got here to town – the city council here in town was so corrupt. Really? It, oh, the mayor of San Diego. Uh, what was he doing? He was like he he got. I think he got kicked out because he was doing inappropriate things with like a secretary and stuff. Oh gosh. And and like and like the yeah. family
2: friendly podcast. Family
1: what, friendly. I'm, what I'm saying is that he would he would do things like that, and and he got in trouble. And the city council was doing shady things too. There was this big old thing where I believe the city council would. Um, What were they doing? They were actually um, taking money from, um, let's say, adult uh, venues to keep them open or to do something. They were, were, you know, fluffing the books or doing some shady stuff. Yeah, there's a lot of things like that. I mean, the whole place is all corrupt. That's why I don't trust a lot of them, you know?
2: Yeah, I get that. And, you know, I think that it's just an interesting concept to explore. I don't think it's one that I would want to do a podcast personally about. Um, but I think that it's super, super interesting. And I've learned so much from Catherine. And it was really fantastic to have her on the show today.
1: It was definitely fantastic. So, hey, babe, do you got anything else new you want to share?
2: Well, I am just very excited to be on like the official, official countdown to our wedding. And, you know, for me, it's not about the wedding ceremony as much as it is the official start of our future forever together. Oh, and I'm- babe. I'm, I'm just very excited.
1: I'm, you know, I'm very excited, too. I are really, you? Tell I, me. I, I'm so excited to be marrying you. And, I mean, We get to start a family together. It's like a community. It's like a big team. You know, it's like we're joining forces to um, conquer the world together.
2: We are. And when you say starting a family together, we're just blending our families together. No surprises. There will be no additional children. Only pets like Paisley.
1: Paisley the turtle. That's our baby. Yeah. Paisley. Your baby, really. Morning. Uh,
2: she's ours. We got her together. Now, Paisley has a birthday coming up in How like, do you even
1: know that January, by the way? February,
2: March, April. She was born in January. We got her in April, April Fourth. Are you
1: are you picking the day we got her or the day she was born? No, they
2: said she was four months old when we got her, so I think January fourth is officially what we're calling her birthday. Oh you just
1: pick a day? I
2: am picking a day.
1: No, you said January fourth?
2: Yes, I'm picking a okay, day. Okay,
1: whatever. I mean January
2: fourth is officially Paisley's
1: birthday. Are you gonna put like, a little plaque on her in her little cage? So
2: I am going to celebrate her birthday. Do you know that I found out that Paisley is supposed to live until she's eighty to A hundred years old, really? Yes, and so do you know what that means?
1: Means she'll be outlive us
2: exactly. That means that in our will, when we develop one after we get married, we're going to have to designate a caretaker for Paisley
1: for her life. How old? How big will she be though?
2: Um, I think that she gets about a foot long.
1: That's the biggest she'll get.
2: I think so. But that by that point, she'll be living outside. She's going to be as big as the neighbor's turtle snapdragon.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah, pretty big. Okay. Cool. I'm excited. Oh. Do you
2: think that maybe we could like get turtle babies sometime?
1: Okay. They get carried away here with this little turtle stuff. I
2: don't get to have other kids. So it's either that or dog. Oh, maybe a dog maybe mm, you would rather have a dog than turtle babies
1: i don't know maybe <laughs> what, do i have to take care of the dog do I have to clean up after it yes you do then, then no dog then
2: <laughs> <laughs> i just get to play with it and pet it and comb it and give it a bath and you get to walk it and pick up all of its
1: mess that's what i've always done with dogs <laughs> i'm the one you know it's so funny we fellas listening out here if you're dating a girl and she's i want a puppy guess what you Will be one taking care of the dog. She will just cuddle with it and sleep with it and maybe, maybe take it out to like show her friends. But you will be the one picking up all the poop, you'll be the one buying the food. Watering it, feeding it.
2: That's not true when it comes to me. Give it a bath. I am the one that takes care of Paisley the majority of the time. You no, I do. No, you only have to watch her a couple of I days. I always
1: change your water and feed her all the time.
2: Always. It's like once every couple of weeks. Well, there you go. Yes, once every couple once of weeks. Once
1: is once too many, if you ask oh me.
2: Oh, my gosh. OMG. Uh. Well, we are very excited for our wedding coming up, and we're mentioning Paisley because she will be a special part of of our upcoming celebration and you will have to stay tuned to our social media channels to see what's happening in the world of chris and christine as wedding day creeps nearer and nearer
1: well next week right no
2: nope. week after next uh week well yesterday it was a two-week mark so it's gonna be the 20th yay
1: there you go hey and if you want to send us any gifts <laughs> or prizes we do have an open registry that registry is what what is our um Website called babe.
2: Oh, alohasmith2020.com.
1: And you go on there, you click on some link or something on there, and you can find gift registry. That's (laughs) very important. Look up gift registry. OMG. And you you can find gifts for us to, uh, for our show. But
2: funny enough, one of our friends that was a guest on our podcast did surprise us with sending us today. A wedding gift, which is very, very thoughtful. Well, thanks, Aston. That was great. Yeah, thanks, Aston. That was so thoughtful. And we're waiting to open it for a couple more days.
1: Um, Aloha Smith 2020 <laughs> gift registry. It's very oh my important. Gosh.
2: Chris, this is just like you trying to get extra birthday presents, honey.
1: That's right. Birthday pre- let's, let's not be greedy. Uh, old birthday presents. My birthday did pass up, but don't worry about it. Old presents, you can send them to the... What's our email again? Well,
2: alohasmith2020.com. And you do not get our address. It just sends it automatically
1: to our house. Right. You, but you can send you can send gift cards. <laughs> oh my to, gosh, to that's me. enough. Uh, you can find us at chrisandchristineshow.com.
2: <laughs> You're too much. But we really do appreciate you all. We appreciate you tuning in every week and following us on our journey as we meet amazing new people and learn about the fascinating things that they're doing to make the world a better, kinder, and more loving place. Right, Chris?
1: Absolutely. And we will be back here next week for another brand new episode and we'll see you then
2: remember this week that life is too short to wake up in the morning with regret
1: so love the people who treat you right forget about the ones who don't and believe that everything happens for a reason
2: if you get a chance take it if it changes your life let it nobody said that it would be easy
1: they just promised it would be worth it thanks so much for joining us i'm chris
2: and i'm christine and until next week
1: keep moving forward